MSW Media. Today, Professor Christine Blase Ford testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee and gave a powerful and emotionally gripping account of her attempted rape by Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh was defiant, taking on an angry partisan tone that was unprecedented for a Supreme Court nominee. Kavanaugh and the Republicans attacked the process and all of the allegations against Kavanaugh as part of a partisan scheme. So what are the implications of today's testimony on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh and on how sexual assault victims are treated in the future? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name is Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a CNN legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, a comedian and WGN radio host who will join us regularly on this podcast. So, Patty, we, we literally are moments away from the conclusion of the testimony today. How, how are you feeling about today? This was a, a wild day, and I, and I want to say that for anyone who follows uh, follows me on Twitter, because you're gracious enough to retweet some of my my comments, uh, you know, this was a very long day, and I am, as you mentioned in my introduction, I, by trade, I'm a stand-up comic, and one of the reasons I'm a comic is because I process the world through humor. So anybody who <coughs> maybe gets upset that uh, this is not a, a laughing matter, uh, part of what I do is to try to take things that are sometimes painful and sort of reflect them in a way that I can I can really get through it and today was a really long day um, but I thought that it was I thought they were both compelling I'll be honest with you as much as it was it was sort of jarring when Kavanaugh was yelling and crying and a lot of different things I still I, I felt as though he is he is connecting with the people he needs to but I, I, I really identified so much with Professor Blase Ford because um, that was hard for her to come forward. And I, and I tweeted this out earlier today, and we can talk about this later if you want, but I, I myself am a survivor, and um, this is not something I would wish on anybody in any situation to be in front of millions of people. And, okay, so let's just get to it, right? The idea that there was a prosecutor who was questioning Professor Blase Ford in, in lieu of the GOP Judiciary Committee providing questions, right? Rather than having their five minutes, it was the prosecutor. She's from Arizona. And there was something weird about, I thought, I, I honestly going into this thought mm -hmm. that she would be a little more sort of trying to draw out information mm -hmm. from her, but it seemed like she had an agenda too. It, it was all about, were you paid by the, by the Democrats to be here today? That was all of what her line of questioning seemed to be. Am I wrong about that? You know, what I would say, and, I, and I'm going to try to be charitable for her, is I felt that the prosecutor was put in a very difficult position for a couple of reasons. First of all, there really had not been a complete investigation prior to this point. So usually she would have a lot more information to work off of, first of all. Second of all, she would not be in a situation where her time would be broken up into five-minute increments. Oh, that was so disorienting. Well, for sure. And I think really it reflected the problem of this entire process. So, you know, these hearing, this hearing took all day long. I know you and I watched it from beginning to end. I took the day off work, and, I, and I'm sure you, you must have as well. 
And despite all that, it's very hard to get at the truth when each person has five minutes to ask a question. And sometimes, you know, this was more true for Kavanaugh than for Blasey Ford. The witness is going on and on and trying to run out the clock at times, right? So for her, you know, it's hard when you're trying you're trying to build a line of questioning to do that when you suddenly have to give up your 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 the floor to another person. I think that was working against her. And I think another problem was she was given too much time. And what I mean by that is for, for Professor Blase Ford, I really don't think she had a lot to work with. So if a young lawyer was coming to me and they said, I'm going to be defending this uh, case of attempted rape and I'm going to have to question the victim, this, this woman, Dr. Blase Ford, I would tell that person, let's ask five questions and then sit down. There aren't there isn't enough to work with with her because no one's going to be able to contradict her really other than Judge and Kavanaugh. Judge isn't there. Kavanaugh, okay, he's going to testify later, and there's not enough stuff around the periphery that we know about that's really going to hit you know kind of do some damage to her. Jury's not going to like it if you beat up on her too much and on peripheral issues. So ask her about the what I'll call the limits of her knowledge, things that she doesn't know about. Like you don't know this, you don't remember that, you can't say this, you don't you didn't. See See that or whatever and then sit down and do it in a very polite way but she couldn't do that because she had an hour to fill so she had a I think spend a lot of time asking a lot of tangential stuff right about you know how how are you paying for your defense team how are you paying for the uh, polygraph how are you paying for all these different things and you know it was that it seemed as though she was trying to say to get her to say well the Democrats approached me and wanted me to do all these different things is what it sounded like because later in the day Kavanaugh seemed to be saying that that was really what had happened that they had funded all of this they had created this all of thin air which was weird because everyone the uh, the the GOP was trying to straddle this line of uh, you know we really sympathize with you Professor Blasey Ford but at the same time you know really going after the Democrats so as it, hey it was just so bizarre and the way they treated each other i i could not believe that uh, senator grassley interrupted D diane feinstein within moments of her beginning to speak well it was so bizarre there was a lot of interrupting and rude behavior i have to say just to kind of back up for a minute because i suspect not everyone has watched oh yeah uh, sorry let's let's let people kind of like, yes. <laughs> ten, the last uh, 10 hours the nine hours information that we have is not uh, shared by everyone exactly so time. let's let's start with what i what, what, if i'm gonna kind of do a broad takeaway here i mean my first takeaway is you know, there was almost like two separate hearings here, and there were technically yes. two separate witnesses, but the feel of them both were so different, right? The first hearing, you had a, um, a woman give very emotional testimony. She wanted to be helpful, very respectful, um, would sit, sit and listen intently to every question and try her very best to answer it. And she was being questioned on one side by a professional prosecutor who was asking her questions, um, you know, at times in, to try to develop lines of cross-examination, at times just to gather facts. And then on the other side, there was sort of a mixture, I'd say, of, um, of uh, supportive statements in some factual questions that were being asked on the Democrat side. On the second half of the hearing, we had Judge Kavanaugh come out with a, just a very angry performance. And it was very jarring to me because, you know, if you remember, Patty, we were uh, uh, we had did a podcast a few weeks ago with Neil Katyal. And mm -hmm. I remember at the time I thought Kavanaugh was a shoe-in. And I, and I remember me and uh, Neil, who both went to Yale Law School, we were both, I think, maybe a few years behind uh, Judge Kavanaugh. But we both said, look, this guy's a very professional guy, very distinguished 
fellow we disagree with his outcomes we think that he's somebody who's going to take away people's rights in various uh, ways but very very uh, reserved judicial sort of fellow <laughs> and we did not see <laughs> that did, today yeah, right what did you see today right now i i that's frightening i will say during that during that um podcast i talked about how i thought he was a republican operative he had worked on all you know for bush versus gore and he had worked on ken star and all Didn't these he leak info to the grand jury as as part of ken uh, star's team he leaked info from ken star's investigation to the press for sure and to he, smear clinton publicly yeah or at least to get messages out that they yeah. thought were helpful i would say um you know he was certainly a very partisan guy and i described him as somebody who i thought had been sort of a republican operative his whole life but i didn't think that that Kavanaugh would ever show that in public in this way. And what we saw here was from his opening statement throughout his entire questioning, him being an overt partisan, attacking Democrats as a Clinton smear campaign against him sort of thing, and going after the Democratic senators personally, being very rude and acerbic towards them. When he was asked about, uh, you know, have you ever been blackout drunk? And he would say, where have you? Okay, Mm -hmm. answer the question. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he would ask them questions about, you know, he would mock their questions about his activities in high school and college, which are are only relevant because he's accused by fairly credible um, allegations of sexual assault in high school and college. So I think, he, you know, he was, um, you know, he took on sort of the tone that I would expect a, a commentator on Fox News to take as opposed to a nominee for the United States Supreme Court. And it really, to me, was a, an un, a kind of a, a, sh- a shocking shift. So to me, you know, we had these, we were talking a moment ago about the prosecutor in the first half of it, and that's one of the more interesting pieces of drama from... Yeah, where'd she go? Right, well, and then she disappeared in the second half, right? So she didn't, what happened was she started asking questions at Kavanaugh, and I think was gathering information and locking him in on some points, and then Lindsey Graham stepped in and came in with a very blistering attack on Democrats in the process that echoed what Kavanaugh said in his opening statement. So um, that's, I mean, as a broad takeaway, you know, one thing that I I really saw from this hearing was that despite all of this, you know, going into this hearing, we saw not only obviously this allegation by Professor Blasey Ford, which we discussed in the last podcast, but also there's allegations from two other women who've come forward. De- uh, Deborah Ramirez, who made an allegation about sexual assault by Brett Kavanaugh when he was a student at Yale, as well as um, a woman who came forward just the day before the hearing with very disturbing allegations about, men, you know, essentially Brett Kavanaugh, you know, being involved in a train of men who were uh, taking turns uh, having sex with a woman without her consent, right? I mean, I think is maybe a better, a good way of putting it. Um, and so very explosive allegations. And, you know, after Blasey Ford's testimony, which I think everyone thought uh, was credible, even the Republicans, you know, it looked like Brett Kavanaugh was in a bad position. And then we saw, I think, a very dramatic shift. Right. And I think it set the tone. And, and I think, I mean, he kind of <laughs> needed to do that to follow. If you're going to follow, you may as well go in. You may as well go, go big or go home. It seemed as though that was the tack they chose. Well, for sure. I think he was 
in a very bad spot at that point. You know, he, you know, had, there was he had just had somebody um, accuse him of attempted rape in a very credible way and in, in a way that elicited, I think, a lot of sympathy from everyone. I mean, I, how could you not feel bad for the woman listening? But, to I, her? but I think a lot of people responded to his reaction in a way that, yeah, of course he's going to feel that way. He's, you know, desperate to save his career. He wants to, He wants the limelight off of his family. You know, a lot of people tweeting, especially, you know, men who are saying, you know, if, if this was me, I would be that upset. I would be outraged. And I think for some people that was really compelling that he was basically fighting for his life in front of us. You know, it's interesting. If I was preparing him as a witness, I would have told him, look, you need to have a certain level of indignation. You have to push back to a certain level and you need to be upset and talk about the pain for your family. But you should always come off as in control and judicious, not angry, not unhinged in any way, because you don't want to play into these allegations that at times you can lose your temper and get angry. Uh, and that clearly he did not follow that playbook. And it seems to have worked for him. Republicans like the fact that he just went all hyperpartisan and very um, on the offense and was very um, aggressive. So, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, well, certainly we could talk later, I guess, or we can talk at some point about what this means for this nomination, but it, it, I wonder what this means for the next nominee. I mean, are we going to oh. have this every, every time now? Some of the senators, I, I believe Lindsey Graham was one of the senators who said, you know, if this is where we're going to do this, you know, be ready for this. I mean, he basically threatened everybody saying, OK, if this is a game we're going to play, then the gloves are off. But I, I felt like there, there weren't really any gloves for a while. It seemed. And to everybody who, who says that this was conjured by the Democrats out of thin air, why would it be <coughs> Kavanaugh and not Gorsuch? Why, why has, there, has this never happened before? If, mm -hmm. if women lie, that's been a, a big thing, you know, that people are, are <coughs> they're, they're saying that, uh, you know, these women are, are just trying to get attention. They want to make money. They want to sell books. Then why has it never happened before on the scale? Yeah, I, I will say that. It's if if somebody who was a local judge or county commissioner had three women who didn't know each other come forward and say that that man had committed sexual assault, we would have a very serious, unbiased, professional investigation. And he would probably be suspended um, in during the you know pendency of that invest you know out, pending the outcome of that investigation and these other anonymous allegations there would be an effort made to try to find more information about them to to re, you know put calls out to other uh, people and you know what we've seen in other circumstances are the numbers grow I mean no one thought in the beginning I think that Bill Cosby was uh, raping you know dozens of women if you if you told somebody ten years ago that Bill Cosby raped sixty women I don't think that anyone would have believed you but at, you know the numbers grow over time we've seen this with whether it's uh, Weinstein or Cosby sometimes the numbers can grow uh, you would at least expect an investigation so that those allegations can be explored and others can come forward if there was anything here what we're seeing is the exact opposite shut it down get this done get the vote in I mean there's a real effort now I think to get this vote done this weekend well what do you think it, it means for future nominees and, and well I guess we should say what happens ask what happens next because uh, CNN is now just reporting that they uh, that Collins, Murkowski, Flake, and like, there's about four or five that are meeting that might be the deciding votes if they decide to hold it tomorrow. Well, there's no question that the whole power here is held by a few senators, and this is because the filibuster was removed. And part of the you know what happened there was essentially the Republicans were obstructing President Obama's nominees, so the Democrats are like, forget it, we're going to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, for non-Supreme Court nominees. And then um, 
the Republicans for Gorsuch said, no, we're going to get, well, now we're going to get rid of it for the Supreme Court, right? So, um, you know, I guess what I would just say is um, I think we can expect a lot of 5149 and 5248 votes for Supreme Court justices in the future. It seems to me that being hyperpartisan as a judge is now going to be overtly partisan, is going to become more of the norm. Um, and that's because, I, to me, if, 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 unless Kavanaugh goes down in flames, if he goes down in flames, then maybe the lesson will be, okay, if you do that, that's not going to work for you. But assuming, let's just say for the moment that Kavanaugh makes it through, I mean, I think the lesson is, if you're on the Republican side, don't be ashamed of how conservative you are and what you're going to do. I mean, you don't talk about specific cases, but be like, yeah, I'm a Republican. I'm a partisan, you know, screw the Democrats, et cetera. I mean, you know, one thing that I wonder is, you know, Judge Kavanaugh is supposed to be neutral and supposed to be, you know, not impugn the impartiality of the judiciary. And I wonder if... For example, um, the Democratic National Committee had a case in front of him. He'd be punitive, I think. It, could he be partisan? Yeah. Uh, not, or could he be nonpartisan? Could be he, he be impartial? Um, so. It certainly harms the re- reputation of the judiciary. You know, we've had over the last um, years a, ra- a partisan. Um, you know, the, the the country's become more partisan, more radical, less um, cooperative, and that's happened in the Senate. That's happened. Um, in the House, that's happened in every, you know, you see it in our, even just in local government, our institutions. And now um, the last, I think, you know, certainly the Supreme Court's been political for a while. Bush versus Gore uh, is an obvious example. But this really, if we start having justices confirmed in this manner, the Supreme Court will look much more like a political body uh, in, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. If they do confirm him tomorrow, there are people who are wondering, can he be impeached later? He can. But because then, they could investigate and, you know, confirm or, or uh, negate any of the uh, testimony he gave. No question. So what'll, what will happen is you can imagine some of these accusers, um, and I don't even like the word accuser, but I'd say, let's say, alleged victim, um, you know, the, you know, the, uh, they can go and they could try to press charges, for example, in Maryland. That's possible. Because there's no statute, statute of limitations. limitations. Right. Um, but also, you know, uh, Jerry Nadler, who's the ranking uh, Democrat on the House Judiciary Committee, said that he would investigate. And the House, if the Dems control the House, he'll be the chairman. And then he'll conduct an investigation. And a majority in the House can impeach. Now, you'll need two-thirds of the Senate to convict. Presumably, if Kavanaugh gets 50%, um, now he's not going to be able to—you wouldn't be able to muster two-thirds against him unless the allegations get much worse. But it's just going to create a real pall over the Supreme Court. You know, we already had a lot of— understandably, uh, you know, hurt more, I'd say more than hurt feelings, anger and resentment over the way in which the Republicans kept the, the a seat open for o- almost a, an entire year um, in order to ensure that Trump would be able to select, um, you know, in this case, Gorsuch instead of the selection of Merrick Garland by President Obama. And now if we have somebody who's on the court who has multiple credible allegations of sexual assault and the Republicans push him through without fully vetting those instances. Um, I can't imagine the message that that sends for women. I wonder what what you feel like the message it sends is. Well, well obviously, the biggest thing that comes out uh, in this situation has been, um, why did she wait so long? 
And I mean, I don't know if you saw, at the same time as I was watching the hearings, I was reading a lot of stories about women who were, there was a woman from a retirement home. She's 74 years old and never told her family. There were, there were women calling into WGN radio and telling our hosts that they had, the one woman told John Williams that she, he was the first person that she was telling directly. And she was basically telling the whole audience because that's how affected she was by today's testimony. And one of the things that I tweeted out, cause I was sexually assaulted when I was both four years old and when I was 15. And I went, I told my mom, I was going to become public with it. I was going to share this on Twitter. And I said, mommy, why didn't we, uh, why didn't we go to the police? Because my mom knew about it when I was mm-hmm. 15. And she basically told me that because they weren't able to help us when I was four, um, that she just didn't think that we should have to go through that again when I was 15. And then she felt that it would be humiliating that when I was four, it had been so hard um, that she just wanted me to try to move past it. And that's I think that's how a lot of people have dealt with it before. And that's the one thing I hope changes is that we are, are you know helping survivors um, find their best way of connecting with whatever their, their truth is. And that doesn't mean you have to come forward it doesn't mean to press charges whatever way you need to deal with it and to, to not have that huge wall of screaming voices uh, accusing you know well you, well you were drunk or you don't remember or gaslighting women or survivors in general because I know that when we talk about this I hate to make it only about women because I know survivors who were um, uh, who are men so this is uh, I, I, I hope that the positive that comes from this is the support <coughs> knowing that there are others and uh and i've had friends of mine who've reached out there were friends of mine from grade school who said that they had been raped in college and in high school and never told anybody so i think that uh knowing that your truth is important i hope is the thing that that shines through this Uh, you know if you want to look at it in an optimistic way from an optimistic lens i would say certainly there's been some movement when you compare what happened in 1991 um, last week, we were talking to obviously participants uh, in that hearing back in 1991, how things were then versus how they are today. You certainly saw the Republicans the least paying lip service to the idea that Professor Blasey Ford deserved to be heard, that her allegations were important to listen to, that um, she, you know, they, they had some sympathy for her and felt bad for her. They did not dismiss her as not credible. Uh, and they realized the optics of having them question all, you know, older white men uh, questioning her was not going to be good. And so, to, you know, they decided um, to have a, a woman um, handle that questioning. And regardless of how you feel about that decision, I think one thing you can that you could take from it is at least they were sensitive to the appearance of how this would appear to women. On the other side, on the flip side. Um, you know, if Professor, uh, you know, Ford's allegations are not further investigated, if the allegations of the other two women are not investigated any further, um, or investigated really much at all, I worry that what it's going to, the message it's going to send to women is that if the man you're accusing is powerful enough, it doesn't matter. You know, I saw, you know, I was watching CNN uh during this hearing. That's where I watched it. Um, And Jeffrey Tubin's takeaway, uh, my colleague there, was that women always lose. Women always get screwed. And I thought, that's not what I would have said um, if I was, you guys are hearing what I would, would, would say, but I thought it was a sad, it's a sad takeaway. And it's something that I, I, I don't want women to have as a takeaway because I want women who are victimized to come forward. I think that in some ways we just 
kind of live with that part of it that we're you know whether we're survivors or or getting through other situations that we're going to get the short end of the stick and we're trying to move closer to um you know having the sort of uh access to justice that we deserve um whatever the form that takes but uh yeah i think that the, you know, if he gets confirmed, not only will it seem as though it, it just didn't matter that she had uh, was kind of gone through the ringer, had her life threatened, had to move her family, um, really under the microscope on a, on a global scale. People kept talking about nationally, but I'm sure this was international. People want to, we're, we're a circus now. We are sort of this freak show in the United States, and, and this was all part mm. of it. And, and it was unfortunate that it had to come to this, that they couldn't figure out a different way to handle it. Um, I'm glad that she came forward. Uh, I think that it does uh, it does need further investigation. They're not going to, but I hope that more survivors uh, feel that some empowerment from watching her bravery today. Well, for sure, and I, I I think I think a lot of women already do feel inspired. I mean, I know some women who were there in the room who were there to support her and made that known. And I will say, I thought she did an amazing job in there. She was, an, I mean, I've prepared many witnesses for testimony. I put many witnesses on the stand. She was an excellent witness. And um, there was such an authenticity to her account that I don't think anyone who is at all fair-minded could listen to her testimony and not be moved by it. Not just find her credible, but be moved by it and feel bad for for her and for what she had gone through. Wow. You weren't on my social media thread. There were a lot of people who just didn't like the, her look, her, the way her, her voice sounded. She sounds, I mean, it was, it's hard, but I mean, this is part of it. It's, well, I, I said fair-minded. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I, I know, I, I know. I, I, I think, you know, um, the one thing that is unfortunate about, you know, where we're at as a country right now is that there are some people who, you know, if, um, you know, if this, if someone said the sky, you know, and the other party said the sky was blue, they would look up to make sure that that was the case. You know, I, I think, you know, um, it's unfortunate that we're at that point, but I, I thought she came off as very credible. Um, and I do think that even regardless of where this goes, you know, as we talked about, it's possible that these allegations are going to be further investigated. I hope it, so. I, I think, think I think most people do. I think fair-minded I, people, as you said. There you go. I think I think they will, um, and I think it will be an interesting thing for the court if he does make it on. Of course, there's an, a possibility that he does not. I mean, one thing that I will say is, you know, Senator Murkowski has at times signaled that you know she was concerned about these allegations in a way that was more more than it seemed that more than mere rhetoric um at times she did suggest a call for an fbi investigation although she walked that back yeah. later um but she did talk about the importance of listening to victims and concerned about the allegations collins apparently suggested the same in public or excuse me in private but you know what they told collins was interesting because she asked about subpoenaing judge um and that was very interesting so mark judge is of course is the other individual in the room with uh, Kavanaugh and uh, Ford during that um, incident, at least according to Professor Plasi Ford. And it, the Republicans did not subpoena him. He did not give a statement. And this is an important point because there was some misinformation. Yeah, I was wondering about this because <clears throat> Kavanaugh kept talking about how he had made the statements and they were, you know, punishable by, you know, what, felony. felony if he was lying. And, and what, what were those statements yeah, and that, who were they to? That's false, actually. That was... Uh, very misleading by by Judge Kavanaugh because what happened was um, 
is that Judge did not himself make a statement to the, to the Senate committee. If Judge got on the phone with the Senate committee and made a statement to them, if he lied, that would be punishable by a felony. But what happened was his attorney submitted a statement, very carefully crafted six-sentence statement, that was a kind of a blanket denial. And the reason, and I know as somebody who now represents clients, the reason that um, the attorney makes the statement when somebody has potential liability is so that the words can't be put in the mouth of their client. So if there is something false in that testimony, the lawyer can say, well, that was just me. I was making that statement. You can't really attribute it to him. You can't pierce the attorney-client privilege to find out their conversations. And so that's the whole point of that. So of course there'd be a great value in subpoenaing Mark Judge to testify, even if he came just under oath to repeat those six sentences, and by the way, he might take the fifth, and that I speculate if if I had to guess why they don't want Mark Judge uh, subpoenaed to testify, I think it's because he would take the fifth, and then that would really throw everyone for a loop as to what if the other guy in the room takes the fifth, what does that mean? Um, but uh, another possibility, of course, is that he'd face very withering questioning and would not perform well uh, when questioned. Uh, and certainly he's a very um, interesting character who's written these books that came out during the hearing about being blackout drunk and his various drunken adventures and so forth. Yeah, no, I, I think that everyone would like to see more. I, I was, that's, that was my hashtag call Mark Judge. Well, you know, it's funny. You said everyone wants to see Mark Judge. Clearly Brett Kavanaugh does not. No, he does not. <laughs> and, uh, and he also doesn't want to say yes or no to whether or not the FBI should investigate him. Correct. That was interesting. Yeah, well, you know, that was an interesting th- thing that happened during his testimony, and I think there he didn't want to cleanly say no because that clip would then be used on the news as a call, you know, as a, I think a mark against him because it's something that I think everybody can get their heads around. And if you don't want the FBI to look into something, that probably means that you're worried about what they would find. So he essentially said no but didn't say no. Right. And... You know, one thing, though, I will say as a criticism of the Democrats is they realized that that was a good talking point, And they asked that same question. Eight times, I think. Nine, Correct. maybe, by the time they got to exactly the Exactly right. And given they only had five minutes each, and they could have been way more economical. The only person who I thought was – the only two people I thought were very economical with their, with their questions were uh, Booker and um, – uh, 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 Cory Booker and uh, Kamala Harris, to, to a less extent, a lesser extent, Amy Klobuchar, very economical in their in the way that they use their time. And you have to be when you're given five minutes. And he was clearly oh, running out the clock. He was filling up that time with some BS. It was all about how his resume in college and all the great things he did and how good of a student he was and the sports he played and the volunteering hours. Okay, got it. Every single time you said it. Right. Sorry. Well, that's you know you could see the difference between how. Um, Senator Harris asked questions versus some of the others. She's an experienced questioner. She has been a prosecutor in the past. And I think that um, he did not try to get away with as much with her. He did, of course, have an, a, a very nasty exchange with, with uh, Senator Klobuchar, who was also a lawyer who's, who's you know conducted examinations in the past. But he ended up apologizing for that at one point. Yeah. It was a crazy day. Historic. I mean, that's the other part of this. This is something we'll remember for a long time, whether or not he gets nominated and it gets confirmed. If he gets confirmed, though, I mean, his seat, just like Clarence Thomas, this is attached to him for for the rest of his life, regardless. Well, that's right. And, you know, Jeff Flake, he had five minutes. He only used one and he used it to make a statement about how we'll never know and this and that. And that that struck me as an indicator that he's voting yes. 
Um, that's that, that. What I took from it is he was going to say, look, I'm voting yes because we can't ever know for sure. And we'll always have questions, but he's going to vote yes. That was my sense of it. Um, but I, I could be wrong. But, um, you know, certainly there'll be questions. Now, for Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas, that is not really interfered with his life much i mean i'm sure he's very upset about it and obviously his wife is there was an episode where she she left an angry voicemail for someone but what i mean is that you know he's on the supreme court he has been for a long time he lives his life um you know he's a fairly anonymous guy uh and can live uh you know his life and goes to federal society conferences and does a lot of the things that he otherwise would do you can imagine uh brett kavanaugh doing the same thing being on the supreme court It'd be hard to remove him um but uh, he, in a way that Thomas was not, could be dogged by these allegations in a more serious way. We shall see. So, uh, you know, I, I, one thing I am curious about, do you think, Patty, that this is going to have an impact um, on how we think of sexual assault as a country hmm. going forward? I, I think that we're having a lot of conversations. I, I was appalled by how many people went to the boys will be boys this happened 30 years ago because there's a lot there right one sort of dismissing um women's bodies and saying that so somehow men are entitled to it whether they're teenagers or you know also our our sort of psychological experiences and and talking about what happened to us 30 years ago apparently shouldn't matter because it doesn't matter if those men did it so our you know we have no value in that sense and also what are we telling teenage boys are we telling them that if you do something now it's okay because in 30 years it won't make any difference in your career it's uh it devalues i think what it means to uh be able to be safe really uh, i think you know i and I, I will tell you i had my mood went up and down during this and i i would say in the beginning the way i looked at it was when professor blasey ford was testifying there were some real positives that were coming out of that for the country aside from whether it was going to affect any votes for kavanaugh because you saw for example chris wallace on fox news saying that his yeah. daughters came forward to him about sexual assault that they had experienced that he said was less serious, but he never knew about until that moment, and they had kept it from him for many, many years. And to me, having a wider audience recognize that sexual assault is pervasive, that it's often unreported for a long period of time, I think that's valuable for people to know. And regardless of what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, Professor Blasey Ford coming forward had that positive impact. But by the end, seeing sort of the defiance and anger, you know, I worry is if, you know, if the end game is, you know, you could imagine this of going in a more respectful way. For example, if that prosecutor had asked Kavanaugh questions, nothing much came out of it. You could imagine, you know, maybe they try to make some half-hearted attempt to judge, but at least it's a more... Um, uh, you know, more uh, dignified ending to it. The way that it ended in such a, a defiant and angry and partisan tone makes me worry about what, you know, what's to come uh, as a country. And so much of it was she was confused. Basically, she mixed me up with somebody else. I'm sure she was attacked, but it wasn't me kind of a thing, which also uh, it, she seemed very specific. She seemed very clear. Uh, and, and, you know, didn't seem at all confused about what had happened to her and by whom. Well, for sure. And she's a professor of psychology and kind of cited 
uh, essentially, or in, in referred to research about how trauma, victims of trauma do, you know, have very distinct memories. Certainly he was someone that she knew. But, you know, I, I think, Patty, that what they did, and I thought this was very clever, was alluded to what you just said. But they didn't say it. Right. In other words, you, you know, he didn't, Brett Kavanaugh didn't But we come heard out. it that way. Believe me, we heard that. That Go was ahead. the way it was supposed yes. to be heard, yes. right? It was the less accusatory way. So, Batty, what do you think this ends up meaning for the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh? Obviously, neither of you or I are Republican senators, but what, what do you think? Oh, I think, he, I think he goes in. I think that they'll confirm him tomorrow, and, uh, and we'll have to go from there. And it's, it, but this, you know, people make these comments all the time. This is why elections matter. This is why, you know, this is his privilege. The president has the right to nominate somebody who will reflect the agenda that he has. And this is where we are. And who knew it was going to be it was going to reflect him so closely in somebody who has all these sexual allegations against them? I think, you know, it, I, it certainly comes down to, uh, you know, in terms of my view on it. And it's funny, by the way, I've gone back and forth because I think the first time we discussed this, uh, I thought Kavanaugh was going to sail through. And then the last time, I wasn't so sure, a week ago. Um, you know, now um, I, I'm, I think I agree with you. It really comes down to that small group. If I had a bat, I would say that Pence was going to break a tie, that there'd be one Republican who'd defect, probably Murkowski. Um, but, the <laughs> but that you would see um, the Republicans, you know, hold firm and, and confirm Kavanaugh by the barest of majorities. And that's what I would expect, and I expect it to happen in the near future. But who knows? There may be more twists and turns. There may be more, another. There could be another woman who comes forward. There could be more news that breaks. Um, this is a very uh, fluid really? you situation. Think, you think that, that that more could come? I mean, I kept thinking: Is there going to be another uh, woman that comes forward, or will there be friends? I mean, the hard part if, uh, for a week or so. What was it, about a week and a half where she was the sole? person standing there saying this happened to me and then you know other women came forward uh, do you really think there might i mean i i guess i, I don't it, it know would, it would see i don't well i don't know if today helps or hurts anybody else who wants to come forward i i hope that it helps if there's somebody out there um who has this that they want they need to get out there well i i think yeah i mean my my concerns and thoughts have been primarily as you could tell on sort of the broader things that this means for our country for women more broadly for the future, because look, the stakes are very high with Brett Kavanaugh. We've discussed that at length I, in terms of the you know the outcomes, but I do think there's. <laughs> it's hard to believe that there are bigger things at stake, but there are. Right. Um. To in at least in my mind, um. But it seems to me that you could imagine all sorts of, you know, maybe somebody comes forward who's a witness to one of these. Maybe somebody else comes forward who is a victim, or alleged victim, or not. Um, and I, I, at this point, I don't know if more, you know, from the, the way the Republicans are spinning it, and it's an odd argument, that the more people accusing you of sexual assault, uh, the more sign that is that it's a conspiracy and not the, that the women can't be believed. It's a very odd argument uh, in, in, from my perspective, but that appears to be so maybe it won't have an impact. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hope that uh, it's this is I struggle with this because. Um, obviously, this has been a, a really long day, first of all. Uh, a lot of uh, testimony 
and emotions and not just from the people that were in the courtroom, but ac- across the country. You know, a lot of people outraged. They were even, you know, trotting people out and going through the motions of this. But a lot of people who want to know more. I mean, I, I for one, I really believe that it's important <clears throat> to talk to the other witnesses, the other people that she has named. And I don't know why we can't hear from them, but that's neither here nor there. It, it, it does seem as though the long term picture for, for America <clears throat> is, as you mentioned before, that, you know, it, it, if a woman comes forward, it might not matter if she's honest and, tr- and telling the truth. Yeah. I, the two and, and not that I know for sure that uh, Professor Ford is, but we're not getting. OK, that was the part that bothered me the most was the whole idea about the FBI and, and waving around the idea that uh, Joe Biden had said during the Clarence, uh, to, the Clarence Thomas hearings that the FBI doesn't make decisions. And I don't know if Joe Biden wants to take that back or not or, or say that he was wrong, but they do. They follow up on evidence and witnesses and they, you know, they confirm or negate what's out there. Isn't that that's my understanding anyway? That's right. I mean, what, what Joe Biden said was essentially the fact that there was an FBI investigation of the allegations against uh, Clarence Thomas does not mean that, you know, this, this issue has already been decided by the FBI. And I think that's all he was trying to say, because the FBI wasn't able to really corroborate um, Professor Hill's account or so, uh, something along those lines is, is my understanding based solely upon that comment. I, I don't know any of the underlying uh, evidence. But, you know, what the FBI does, as you point out, is they conduct interviews, they subpoena documents, they interview witnesses, they'll go out and verify facts. You know, there were facts that came up today of when Mark Judge worked at a certain a store, Safeway, for example. Right. You know, they that's the sort of thing the FBI is very good at, locating people, interviewing them, pinning down key facts. So they would just have, in a very nonpartisan and professional way, they're obviously professional trained experienced investigators they would conduct an impartial investigation and you know what i i certainly a question two questions that i've asked for a while that we'll never really know the answer to probably is why not have an fbi investigation right. why not subpoena judge we've i've speculated as to why they may not want judge in there they may don't he may take the fifth with the fbi investigation they might just be worried about a week or two delay or what it could find i don't i really don't know but i i will tell you i mean a couple of things that really I thought were have always been tactical surprises for me for the Republicans is, you know, first was why they didn't do a, like at least a cursory FBI investigation just to take the talking point away. If they're just for right. crass political purposes, take a week off and do it. I mean, we've spent a week debating when she was going to testify anyway. So why not just take that week to do it? And the other thing that I don't understand is early on why they didn't just pull Kavanaugh and switch to Barrett, for example, a female nominee um, who, you know, and just, you know, from a political perspective, they would have a lot fewer uh, women who are upset if that if that happened. And you'd think if they did it early enough and quietly enough, it wouldn't upset conservatives. But I don't I don't know the psychology of conservatives. Perhaps that would upset them. They'd feel like um, this would be. Um, um, encouraging Democrats to use these tactics in the future. Well, it's if an they, ego thing, too, isn't it? It's like we're right about that. That's what it feels like from the president as well, that he wasn't going to pull him because his hubris is just too significant. You know, it's just I don't know if that's a way to put it, but I, I don't think he wants to feel as though he made a wrong choice. Well, I do think the stakes are extraordinarily high for Republicans. They care very much about flipping the Supreme Court and having these outcomes, Roe versus Wade, overturned, assault weapons ban, stricken, et cetera. And 
this is an outcome that could stick for 20 or 30 years. And so I do think it's important to them. They think that they might lose the Senate in 40-some days. So I get that, although with 40-some days to play with and what's called the lame duck period after that, I would have thought that they might have played a little bit with that schedule, but... You know, clearly they were not no, comfortable they, doing that. They want to do it. They just want to. What was the phrase? They want to plow this through. But, you know, I will say one thing about the way that the, the hearing was set up is very much um, she she received. I would say he had the last word, which is always an advantage um, sure. in court. You always want to be the one to go second. She re- requested that that was denied. Uh, and I think that helped them here. I mean, he said that he did not watch her testimony, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I certainly would have in his shoes. Um, but maybe it would have gotten him out of his mode of what he was going to try to accomplish there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, uh, I think that, um, you know, there's no question that they were able to sort of set the tone for kind of how this came out of it by having a chance to react Whereas I think if the if the order was reversed and he went and denied everything in a very angry way, right. then they huddled uh, over lunch and then she came on and testified and we had this very composed right. um, emotional performance. We might have had a different uh, reaction coming out of it. How did you like uh, Senator Kennedy's? Uh, he was the last one I think to speak for the day. Uh, he had uh, he said, "Look me in the eye." Do you, first, he asked he asked him if you do you believe in God, you know, and the whole "look me in the eye" and and all these things, it was. Uh, I thought he, it was. It was the perfect wrap up for the Republicans. I thought. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. It's hard for me to tell exactly what they're thinking. I, I have to say, it's a hard question for me to answer because I have examined so many witnesses and watched so many trials and participated. Have you in ever so said, "Look trials. me in the eyes"? No. Look me in the eyes and tell me the truth. Because witnesses lie of, on a fair and well called. <laughs> I wouldn't say they straight up lie, but they minimize things on sure. a pretty regular basis oh really i, I kind and, of I think we all saw a little minimizing yeah and i mean certainly i would have to say that, you know one of the more obvious ones was the renata uh, alumnus oh that was uncomfortable well you know kavanaugh was saying that this just meant they were friends or close acquaintances or, or something and it's the implication is clearly that there was that it was a, suggesting that she was a conquest of, of his in well, some way and she's come out and said how hurtful it is to know that her name was used that way in the yearbooks and his answer to what's a devil's triangle Yes. Yeah, that was awkward because he said it was a, a drinking game. Right. Let's not get into I mean, if people want to Google it, that's up to you. But And then boofing, which he said was uh, flatulence jokes, which it is not. Hmm. Again, everybody go ahead and Google that. We don't need Google to get into that. details. We don't, we're yeah. not going to get into details no. here. But but it was it was more than minimizing. It was wrong. I mean, people, <laughs> this is not even true. Right. And, and, and in a very clunky way. Um, I think it was Senator Blumenthal tried to get at that. He used the jury instruction. If somebody's wrong on one thing, you can find their testimony wrong overall. I, I, I don't know if... if Those I, are urban terms. Right. I, I understand. That's something you could, you could I guess, feasibly uh, you know, say that you made your own meaning at your school. Sure. Yeah. I, who knows? But in any event, I, I, I think um, witnesses often are, are not completely truthful and if, if somebody's going to lie under oath mm-hmm. they're certainly going to look me in the eye and say that you know uh, you know under the penalty of their soul go, exactly. or whatever <laughs> whatever that was whatever that was uh they're going to say that too so i'm just so cynical but i'm also the guy who can't watch law and order sure. uh, or something like that without just shaking my head in disgust all right renato what do you see coming and what should people expect in the weeks to come well, as to Kavanaugh, I think we've already discussed. I, I think both of us see him being confirmed, although 
things are so fluid. Who, who the heck knows? Right. There next week we're going to see a discussion between uh, Trump and Rosenstein, which could result in Rosenstein getting fired. Certainly Congress wants Trump to do that, but it doesn't look like he's ready to at this point based on his uh, comments. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, if there is any fallout from this hearing as well, whether there's, for example, someone files charges uh, and there's a criminal investigation that could lead up to the midterms, which are only weeks away. Thank you for joining us for this episode of On Topic. Please subscribe to this podcast, go to your app and review the podcast, and join us for our next episode. I'm Renato Mariotti. Until next time, let's stay on topic.